0: Welcome to Under the Shell, presented by Terrapin Sports Central. This week, we are pleased to welcome you to a special March Madness edition of Under the Shell. I am Brendan Weissel. Sam Jane, Michael Big Mike Howes. And let's get into it. We have our first ever interview with a member of the women's basketball team. Sam, tell us what we got there.
1: Yeah, we actually have a senior guard, um, someone who's coming over from Princeton um, and has really been uh, an elite shooter. Um, And not only that, but an elite personality, really fun to talk to incredible stories we figure out why she was suspended for a year that's abby myers take it away abby take it away past us hope you guys enjoy well we are happy to have on um, maryland transfer and, and maryland shooting guard abby myers um who's continuing to have a big year um and she looks she's looking forward to march abby uh thanks for coming on under the shell and, and we really
2: appreciate your time yeah thank you sam thank you guys for having me
0: so, Abby, obviously a pretty decent sized break between the end of the Big Ten tournament, start of the NCAA tournament. Uh, what's practice been like? What's team morale heading into next week?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, we're really just focusing on ourselves this week. Uh we doing a lot of scrimmaging, doing a lot of offensive, just getting shots up, working on our ball handling and passing, and just really feeling good about our our play um going into next week.
1: Mike, um, I was just going to, Abby, as I was kind of um, looking through, uh, you know, your stats, you obviously um, came here and it's kind of been a, a a big deal for you, obviously, is the team bonding. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, there's that story about how you guys went on a team retreat um, earlier in, yeah. this year. And now you've kind of gotten to the point where you, I'm sure you know everybody, what's been who have you kind of met at first at the team retreat that personalities are like, you're just like, well, that's not what I expect. Like, you know, cause I'm sure people kind of are a little more reserved when they're first meeting you. You know what I mean? I'm sure you're a little more reserved. Who's uh-huh. changed the most and, and who have you um, seen kind of adapt and, and evolve in terms of their relationship with
2: teammates? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think for me in August when I got on campus, I got close with Emma Chardon and E because we we're the only ones really on campus and everyone else was taking their like two week break. So I got really close with them and um, you know, kind of gravitated towards them at the start of the the retreat. But you know, everyone's got a different, really different amazing personality. I think um Nay, Nay has like a goofy, funny, but also just um, you know, like a personality that you wouldn't get at from just like meeting her with a in a group. Um, she loves like interior design, wants to like design really nice mansions when she's older and has a lot like a lot of I guess connections in the MBA. So like if she can work with some MBA guys, I think that's a really that's really cool for her. Um but you know, I think with, with everyone's kind of, you know, broken out of their shell. No, you know, no pun intended there. But like everyone's kind of I mean, broken out of this. their She's shell. She's our
1: you can be our media manager for the podcast. You already got you got, already got slogans going.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but you know, even the freshmen, right? I, I got really cl- I'm really close with uh, you know, one of the freshmen that I didn't think I would be, um, Ava on the team and you know, just like similar interests that you kind of just learn throughout the season. And uh but yeah, you know everyone. Everyone's just unique in their own way, which I love their personalities. You learn something new about them every day. But the retreat definitely helped, kind of like, um, you know, open people up and and start to trust people more and have good conversations with people. So that was that was a lot of fun.
3: Kind of what happened at that retreat and how did it come about?
2: Yeah. The retreat was a great idea, right? Nine new transfers, super rare for any any team um coming in. So we really had to mesh and learn each other fast, especially since we didn't have a lot of time. Um and the coaches came up with an amazing idea to do a fun retreat. They didn't tell us. They told us we were gonna do something like together away off campus. And I thought we were gonna like stay in a hotel somewhere and like go like, you know, day, do something fun. But no, they they had a a grand plan to go to the Shenandoah Valley in the middle of nowhere in this beautiful log cabin. Um and I've been there actually growing up to the Shenandoah Valley the mountains. So I knew a lot about it and was really excited. Uh, but what we did was we did like bonfires, we had cooking competitions, we made burgers and stuff we um, did like this Turp Olympics, which were essentially like split us up into three or four teams and we did just fun really fun games that anyone of any age like it brings the kid out in you uh where like you had this giant jar of like skittles or m&ms and then you had like whoever was able to like separate them by color first as a team wins and they had like a scoreboard and everything we had face paint going color schemes and uh yeah it was that was just like a lot of fun um what else did we do we went to the loray taverns uh saw you know just the the caves and everything so yeah we did a we did a lot of stuff in a weekend they really packed it it in but it was worth it
1: who's the best cook would you would you give that to
2: Ooh, honestly brie i would say oh. she she cooks a lot actually and so yes. she's got that, that chef chef's touch and
1: she is just full of surprises farming <laughs> you know cooking she's got it all
2: she does
0: you're talking about um, team building you were you know, obviously voted Uh, captain and then as announced earlier uh, at the beginning of this season um was that something you really expected coming in uh transferring into Maryland what kind of went down there to get you and then you became captain what was that process
2: yeah uh you know I I was a a captain at at Princeton my senior year so I knew what it what it took to be a good captain a good leader and just a good communicator in general and I thought that I, I had the experience I had the just the overall um, like composure to to be a captain and be a spokesperson for the team mainly, and I had that expectation of okay, if I don't earn the respect trust of my teammates, then they're not going to want me to be their captain because uh, they're not going to trust me, right? So I I really made an effort to kind of get to know people one on one. Took that event avan- took advantage of that at Shenandoah Valley, and um, just showed every day in practice that I was willing to work hard, give hundred percent effort and energy, um, and you know. They, they voted me as a, one of the four captains, and I was super honored to to be that.
3: Kind of shifting the focus to your career before Maryland, you were playing at Princeton in Ivy League. What was yeah. the differences like balancing the schoolwork between Maryland and Princeton?
2: Yeah, I think um, you make it work no matter what, right? I think Princeton definitely is rigorous academic schedule. I uh, didn't have an academic advisor like at Maryland, so – Um, you know, it it comes with the disadvantages here at Maryland, you have so many more resources, and and just like leverage, I would say, than at at Princeton, where they have this motto where you are a student first, athlete second, and you're going to get be treated like any other student, um, no no matter the fact that you're an athlete. So um, juggling the workload here hasn't been hasn't been a difficult transition. The business school is definitely rigorous. And has a lot of expectations and and workload, but uh, I've definitely been able to take those skills and that I've learned from Princeton here to to Maryland. Yeah,
1: I wanted to ask about that because I was doing some reading and I saw that um, when you were a freshman, you got like a disciplinary suspension for some sort of like misunderstanding. And then you became like a peer mentor because you wanted to, you know, maybe help kids who had that same experience. I saw that you were on vacation and then to wake up at like 5 a.m. to get like on the Zoom um even, doing your
2: research i love it Sam. <laughs> um
1: what what happened there uh yeah. this is your chance to you know you're no longer a christian you can speak freely um <laughs> what what happened there oh, and cool. and why why did you you know try to help kids because i mean that's a pretty honorable yeah. thing to do to not take it as like a like you know screw this school this shit's stupid like you kind of you kind of it seemed like grew from it and mature yeah. from it what happened and, and why'd you do yeah.
2: that yeah, you know, I think um, complication with the data science class at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you work on projects with, with students and some projects you can't work on with students. And, um, you know, had a similar line of code and that garnered a one year academic separation from the university. Um, and, you know, obviously those in, in hindsight, in those moments, you just feel you just feel anger. You feel denial. You feel um, really just like a hatred for the institution that put you in that position you know you obviously did i put myself in that position i made that choice but um you know it's it's the i think i think that um the year off was probably the best year of my life in terms of um i never had a free year to do whatever i want wanted and i planned it out i you know did an internship i was able to travel and not many people are lucky enough to to have that but But I was. So I made the most of it and came back just, uh, you know, as like a super sophomore. Um, But at the end of the day, it it hasn't really impacted me any more than it did that one year. Emotionally, even in my, you know, I was able to get internships at Nike. I was able to really make the most of my experience. And um, at the end of the day, it was a great learning experience. And I wanted to give back. I wanted to to really educate. Um, students and help them and almost represent them who were going through a similar thing because the university does not uh, provide a lot of, um, I would just say direction guidelines when it comes to uh, its rights, its rules and its responsibilities for students and the honor code. And uh, it's definitely an archaic, um, I would say archaic, just overall archaic rules and regulations. It, It came about when people had, uh you know encyclopedias and papers and, and in order for you to really try and get ahead and, and potentially cheat or get an advantage you had to really work hard to do that whereas now you can do that by a simple mishap so i think that for me it was just trying to change the the overall internal structure of the honor system at princeton i think that um it's very very uh it's a little too <laughs> I don't want to get into it. I can talk about this for hours, but you know, I wanted to give back. I wanted to help students that were going through right. a similar emotional, um, just uh, emotional, you know, journey as I, I did. So basically, I to
1: get- basically, it's a bunch of old white I'm dudes sure. sitting up there running academic probation. Uh, we'll sum that for you <laughs> in in a, in a sentence.
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> what was
3: that like returning back from a year absence of playing? Do you feel a little rusty and like? How did you make sure you trained and were able to return as seamlessly as possible?
2: Yeah, I think I think that there's one thing I've learned. It's don't don't hype up your expectations. Right. I think for me, I came off my freshman year being, um, you know, one of the best freshmen uh, in the league, you know, all tournament team. Um, Had a great freshman year and. I when I took that year off I trained I trained I envisioned myself coming back being a stronger player being just a better player and wanting to make a big hit right at the start uh but a lot of things happened a lot of things changed right I had that year off new coaching change um new teammates and I really had to and I had all these expectations along with it to the point where my expectations were met when I came back it actually took me a little longer than I thought to readjust my confidence Um, you know, started all time high and then it lowered throughout the year. I didn't start. I wanted to start due to like injury at the start of the season. So, so many things change. And, you know, that I think kind of helped teach me that, you know, coming into Maryland, don't have those high expectations. Just stay in the moment, stay in the present, work your, work your butt off and let things kind of play out.
1: Yeah, I heard. So this is kind of pivoting years to when you were in high school, but I heard from, from somebody that you're, you're actually home now, but your, your mom. So it, it came down to Princeton and Stanford for you, right? Those were the two kind of main main ones. Correct. And Tara Vandeveer, who's like a legend for, for the pot, she's a Stanford coach, spending yeah. a couple of final fours, pretty much a, yeah, a legend, team true. in. And Princeton, you can't get ath- uh, athletic scholarships, right? They don't yeah. offer that. Correct. But, and so you're, so Tara Vandeveer's in your home. I just want you to tell this, but, and your mom asks if, how how are we gonna pay for Stanford? Because you know they they don't offer athletic scholarships. Your dad or your high school coach said that your mom thought that Stanford and Princeton had the same rules in terms of scholarships. Do you remember that at all? And, and oh my gosh. That, was that pretty funny for you?
2: Well, I will say Peter Cana has a great memory, um, <laughs> and that's something my mom would definitely ask because you know she loves the game, and sometimes things kind of. Sometimes she, yeah, I guess maybe she thought it was like a similar. It wasn't Ivy League, but the, the academic level that maybe they also didn't offer, um, as, you know, just money scholarships. But that's funny. I actually did not. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I guess Tara got a good laugh, and maybe that made her more confident that I was going to go there because of the fact that maybe that scholarship thing was going to. And then you, and then, know, you, and
1: then, then you spurned her. yeah for princeton
2: i know whoops (laughs) you know i know she came all the way out here i had tara vander Uh, in my house pretty cool thing to say it's pretty
1: dope no no worries though you ended up at the dream school right and then made it back to maryland so yes world works though it all worked out
0: yeah so speaking of making it back to maryland what was the recruiting process like the second time and how would you say if there's any differences from when you're uh, in high school versus transfer from college to college
2: yeah i think um the thing about, yeah, I think the thing about going into transferring after playing at a school for three athletic years is coaches aren't going to sugarcoat it for you as when you're in high school. They're going to make it look like this fantasy world, the best place ever. Um, You want to go there the next day, commit, you know, they're just giving you all this amazing treatment and love. And I think as a graduate transfer, you already know the truth behind it all. You know, you know, the practices, you know, the the long hours and the the grueling emotional roller coaster you're going to be on. Um, so they don't they don't sugarcoat it. And I think for me, when I visited Maryland is they really just showed me the resources, the buildings, the ones I'm going to be the place I'm going to be the most. Right. And they did. They definitely did sell me a lot on the overall just training facilities the massages that we get, the the ice baths, the, um, you know, hot tubs, all of it. So um, it was helpful that I had prior experience, though, in the recruitment process because I could, you know, I could kind of figure out, um, you know, things a little bit easier, I would say. And then
3: kind of back to the recruiting process, what was Coach Freeze's pitch to you? I know she's she's known as one of the best uh, college basketball coaches there is what was her pitch to you and what do you see in her that separates her from the rest of the pack
2: yeah you know i think for i remember um and i know she does this probably with with other recruits as well but she they or their media created like a video and good music in the background is pretty much like all my highlights from the past year at, at princeton and you know that kind of was just like all right like i can't play here i got all these moves like i can make shots and Um, you know, her her cell was essentially, we know how to win, you know how to win, let's win together. Um, And for me that, you know, that was the golden ticket. And of course I I grew up watching coach freeze and she's a, she's a celebrity in Maryland for sure. And obviously in in the world of college basketball. So to be in her office with my parents and having her talk to me about how they want me to play for them. um, It was just a surreal moment and one that, you know, it took a lot of work to get to. So um, I knew, I knew Maryland was going to be the place for me. I was,
1: I was going to ask. So, you know, when you're talking about all this recruiting stuff and, um, that this might be something that, um, uh, you know, didn't play a role, but obviously Maryland has a huge Jewish community and you are like, you are Jewish and, and I've seen, like I've heard and seen that you're at events and things like that nature, you know, not a lot of athletes, um, to like are engaged in in the community as much as maybe you are um was that a role at all when you came to maryland and then you know how how do you like how do you go about putting yourself um out there so that people you know kind of get to know abby and know that she's not you know just a basketball player like i have things
2: beyond that yeah i think the good thing about going to princeton for four years is that you know not many normal students care about athletics right not many people know that you're an athlete there's not much of an identity um separation uh at princeton it's all mixed together so i i was always at the the jewish center of jewish life getting meals there hanging out with friends there um and just you know being a part of the community so i kind of transferred that to maryland and for me yes i'm a basketball player and i didn't know that i was that great of a basketball player until people kind of showed that to me um and you know i always want to be involved in the community i think that for me i have i love the fact that i'm jewish and that's really been heightened this past year than any other years i've played which is really cool um you know and so when someone invites me to a fun event um with good food and good social life then i'm gonna go
1: yeah that's a good answer um Okay, Abby, so every week we have a, like a rapid fire segment. So with Coach Reed, we did some with, you know, her most overrated food, best post-game okay. snack, favorite movie, but we're switching it up a little bit for you All right. um, and we're doing Maryland or Princeton. So we're gonna ask you different questions surrounding, you know, campus, the state, the university as okay. a whole. And you're just gonna have to, right off the rip, give us your give us your answer um, for what, what, which one do you think is better in that regard
2: all right i'll try my best let's do okay. it okay all right we ready mm-hmm.
1: better food in the area
2: uh so p- pizza steak and cheese sub. sure
1: um pardon that's a nicer campus with one
2: sorry nicer can you beat one.
1: that one nicer campus princeton oh harder conditioning program
2: <laughs> maryland
1: okay better better gear and slash apparel Maryland. Okay. Um, we'd say funniest teammate that you played. So either a teammate here at Maryland or a teammate here at Prince, at Princeton. You got to name them.
2: Okay. Um, Diamond Miller. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, gee, I wonder who she plays for.
2: Um,
1: better better academic office. Academic office. Or academic services helping you out with uh, important issues.
2: Graduate students here don't get a lot, so I'm gonna go undergrad Princeton. Okay, okay.
1: Um, now this one might be a little controversial for Maryland fans, but better logo.
2: And the, I mean, the M's very cool with the with the the turtle. Yeah. So I gotta go Maryland.
1: Okay, okay. Which one hypes up their state flag more?
2: <laughs> Come on now, Maryland. <laughs>
1: And then, Better Home Arena,
2: Maryland, okay. seventeen thousand in comparison to four.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that that was the rapid fire. So that was you. I feel like you did a pretty good job. Um, yeah. People are people might hate a little bit on the uh, on the on the pizza answer, but we'll see what people <laughs> have to say. Um, right. And then, kind of wrapping up this week, you know, obviously we're heading into March Madness. As a kid, I'm sure you watched plenty of basketball. We want us to give you your top five. This can be men's or women's, whichever one y- you think. Top five. And if you can't do five, you can cop out and do three. Players slash moments in March Madness. So stuff you remember as a games kid games. Or, or playing it. Oh. Like even playing in March Madness could be one of your experiences. Now, granted, that's a little unfair because you know none of us have been in March Madness, but you can do it.
2: <laughs> okay, let me think. Um, all right. I'm just I don't do I have to rate rank them or just
1: Nah, just no, go for just, it. Just go for All it. All right.
2: So I'm thinking North Carolina and men's North Carolina um, in Villanova. The, that, I mean, what year was that? 2016? Yeah, Chris, Jan- Chris,
1: Chris Jenkins. The, 16. Yeah. That was, that was
2: like the double clutch three point shot. And then last second. I mean, that's, <laughs> a, that's a coach's dream, right? To yeah. have the, the players like execute like that because that was perfect with the trail three did um, you see
1: did you see jay Wright when the guy hit it that was bill knows coach he literally he all he did was he turned and he goes bang and then just like walked in line to shake the hand it was so fire you have to watch what? It. yeah he didn't even yeah, like react. he it. just goes bang
2: <laughs> see yeah you, know, you watch him enough you'll you know they're gonna make it um yeah so that, that's why uh i would i would definitely have to say mississippi state uh shoot their point guard scoring over um who did you score over uconn first uconn scored over like gabby williams or something i don't know it was like a last second okay. shot for the national yeah. i know what you're talking about yeah that was back in probably 20 that was probably 2016 or so, 17 yeah. you got 2016 um, on your memory. 16 yeah um that's one you can't go wrong with you got to do a um Agum Wale, right? Yeah, the buzzer beater. Buzzer Beater, back to back game buzzer beaters, Kobe. Yeah, those are three good ones that I got for you. Yeah. Those
1: are very solid. We appreciate that list. Yeah. Um, and we appreciate you hopping on. Um, yeah. Brandon, you want to take us away here with uh with Abby and kind of uh give her a final shout out.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for uh hopping on. I appreciate your time and uh best of luck in the tournament and uh we're we watching out have a good one as of Sunday. It's been everything men's and women's basketball here at under the shell Brackets got released if you want to find out about other Maryland sports, you know Sam's <laughs> Twitter for softball Mike's Twitter for baseball Brennan's other Twitter that, for hilarious jokes exactly <laughs> and uh, But
1: right here right now. We're all focused on March Madness selection Sunday top five day of the sports calendar is that a hot take to say
3: it's it's an exciting day it's, it's, an, an, it's a cold take it's top three days t- wow. t- top, day. it might be the, best top
1: day. three.
0: the adrenaline of filling out your first bracket which we'll get to our brackets later is really yeah something
1: special. that is elite and and all all three of us are in a bracket pool um hopefully you guys all got your brackets out there family friends whatever you want to do it's all random my mother picks um gonzaga every year because she had a pet uh or a a horse growing up named gonzo and she manages to win it so doesn't matter how much you know about basketball selection sunday fun day for everyone and so today we're gonna bring you everything when it comes to basketball because both teams are in it brendan yes so let's
0: start with the men's they're kicking it off first game not including the first four games Mm -hmm. the first game of the true field of 64 tournament going down to birmingham alabama to face west virginia mike what do we have
3: well, defensively, West Virginia is not the greatest. They have the 52nd-ranked adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm, but they have played a difficult schedule. They're in the Big 12. Best conference in the nation. Great conference for basketball, and they have the 6th-ranked opponent um, defense. So they are going to up against those tough opponents. Mike, so just, to,
1: just to make sure, just to clarify for the audience, what does that mean in terms of the adjusted defense? Does it just take... Team strength into account, that type of thing. Just want to make sure that we're clarifying.
3: So it is adjusted for the opponents they uh, play gotcha. according to Ken Palm. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Um, yeah, so West Virginia obviously plays an elite schedule. Mm-hmm. Their defense is, you know, maybe gonna lack, in but overall stats. But offensively, we they all know a-
3: they average the third most points per game in the Big Twelve, and they're yeah. ahead of teams like Kansas, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, who are all higher seeded than them in the Big Dance. Um, so it sounds kind of obvious, but Maryland just has to outscore them to win this game.
1: Yeah, which is crazy because you think a Bob Huggins mm-hmm. team is a usual defensive stalwart. Press they're gonna Virginia. press. They're gonna press yeah. the crap out of you, make you force turnovers, and then turn those into buckets. But Brendan, it seems as if this team maybe deviates from that a little bit, um, scores a little more offensively. When we are looking at West Virginia's schedule, what did you see from them? How did they perform in maybe those neutral and road games? And what can Maryland fans take away from who they've played this year?
0: Yeah, Maryland fans know that Maryland has been awful on the road. West Virginia really not all that much better. They are three and eight on the road with wins coming over Pitt, Texas Tech, and uh, Iowa State. Uh, and then West Virginia was also three and two in neutral games. Uh, to give Maryland stats on that, Maryland was two and nine on the road, and three and two neutral um, for teams in the top thirty-one. Uh, Maryland's 31st in net rankings. Uh, Maryland, TCU, and West Virginia are the only teams with three or less road wins. And so if there was going to be a pull that you have to go away from home and play a game, Maryland got lucky in the sense that they're playing a team that is also not very strong. But they got
3: unlucky with who they would play in the second round, which
0: <laughs> will be an away game against yeah.
3: Alabama and Birmingham.
0: Yeah, that's. They a- could also play uh, <laughs> Texas A&M. Hey, don't sleep, bro. Um, Corpus sorry. Christi. They could I'm play. Yeah, yeah, really
1: include that Corpus Christi part because <laughs> because yeah, yeah, it's very, very confused well, The Texas then, tex- A&M was tex- a Texas close
3: seed. to Alabama, you know, it's still kind of... Still yeah, Mike, we, I don't know how many seen- Texas
1: A&M Corpus Christi fans yeah. are making the trip. I mean, those who live in Maryland know that the team in the, in the top
0: left corner of the bracket has been upset. Before. That's true. That's so, very true. I think that It this, won't happen, but it's
1: possible. I think that this game is super interesting because it's almost as if these two teams are kind of trending in opposite directions. Maryland struggled in the Big Ten tournament. They kind of closed on a whimper at the end of the year, and it seems as if West Virginia is really starting to kind of find, their, find the swing of things. They competed against Kansas. They did well in the Big 12 tournament, that type of thing. You know, they have veteran guards. Joe Toussaint, former Big Ten player, played at Iowa, now at West Virginia. I think that it's really going to come down to Jameer Young, Mike, The guy, you look at guards in March, right, guys? That's what matters. If you have an elite guard who can make plays down the stretch, you're going to be in a better spot than most. But Jameer's really kind of struggled lately. It seems as if teams maybe are starting to load up on that left hand, maybe slow him down a bit. What have you seen from him? What can Maryland fans expect? How's he going to go out maybe in his last year?
3: You need Jameer to be the leader on offense. In losses, he only averages 13.8 points per game. When they win, he averages 17.3. That's... That that seems like a small difference, only four points, but in the grand scheme of things that that is a lot. And then I also think you gotta include Dante Scott in this conversation. When they win he averages thirteen point five. When they lose, he only averages eight points a game. Yeah. I talked about it last week, but he has to step up and be that senior leader who's been here for all four years that he entered the season as.
0: You can look at stats, you can look at players. I think when it when you think about winning basketball games in March, what you're thinking about most is that energy right teams that have big upsets obviously Maryland in the first one isn't isn't trying to make an upset but Maryland so many times on the road has played just so dead with no energy and I think that that is going to be something that even if they are able to win the first game is going to come back to bite them at some point in the tournament that's going to be the reason they they lose you can look at all the metrics you can look at shooting that's going to be a product of it but it's really about how much heart they're giving because I've seen the games at home way more fired up what are your guys' thoughts on that
1: yeah, I think that that definitely plays a role. Um, and I think Maryland maybe plays a little tighter when they're on the road. Maybe it's not that they're you know not trying or that type of thing. But when you're on a road and things start to go south, you clench up, right? Yes, that's, right. What they, that's what they've that's what they shown to do. And if Mike said they get to that second round and we can kind of give quick hits because you, know, you don't want to skip over a game, it's going to be a road game. They're going to be playing Absolutely. the number one overall seed in the entire dance, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Who have had an elite season SEC regular season champs SEC tournament champs led by star freshman Brandon Miller is gonna be a top five pick in the draft if character concerns hold up and you have Javon Quinterly at the guard spot Nate Oates is a really fun coach to their system they run they run a lot of transition they shoot a lot of threes Brendan Maryland has had their trouble with Alabama in the past in the tournament if they were able to knock off West Virginia on Thursday how do you see it going Saturday And what is the path to an upset maybe if you're Maryland?
0: Sitting on my grandparents' couch, uh, last time Maryland played Alabama in the NCAA tournament, and Alabama could not miss. They couldn't miss a shot. It was one of the most disheartening games to see just Maryland give absolutely no fight. What would it take for Maryland to upset them? I think it's going to take an incredible game from Jameer Young. He has to be lights out. He has to play all— 40 minutes, 39 minutes, and just be unstoppable.
3: You talk about not clenching up on the road. This is a team you cannot clench up against. Alabama averages the fourth most possessions per game. They play fast, and you cannot clench up against that.
0: Maryland has played Purdue tight, but Purdue is the type of team that Maryland can play tight with. Alabama, I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, Alabama, like Mike said, they're gonna get out and run, so if you're playing bad, they're gonna blow you out, Mm -hmm. right? Purdue is gonna kinda grind it down, slow you down. You can always kinda hang around with them, If you're playing bad against Alabama and they're making shots, say goodnight, blouses, season's over, walk off in tears because it's over.
3: The only way to beat Alabama really is to beat them at their own game, shooting the three efficiently. Maryland Maryland has not done that. They (laughs) averaged 33 from
1: three this year. It's it's not good. You know how Brendan was saying how Alabama just made shots? Mm -hmm. I think another part is I would
0: be very... I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happened again.
1: You've got to hope they just miss wide mm-hmm. open threes, right? Like maybe sprinkle in a zone and hope they just... It can
0: happen to depth perception in an arena they never played in before, but it's, it's really unmarried.
1: No, it's, it, you're obviously the underdog. You're going to have to take chances, gamble. You're going to have to let up some open threes, and sometimes shooting variability, that's how upsets happen, right, guys? So um, it'll be interesting. But an aspect that we didn't talk about that I really think is also crucial in March is the man on the sideline. That's coaching. When you look at the first two matchups, potentially for Maryland, Bob Huggins, elite veteran coach, been at West Virginia for, you know, however long I've been alive, it feels like. And then Nate Oates is kind of, you know, the young hotshot who runs the modern system. Kevin Willard had a good first season, you know, probably outpaced expectations for Maryland fans. But I know you two had a little bit of a debate about a prior coach, Mark Turgeon and Kevin Willard, and what fans you know, expectations and, and how how the respective coaches were treated um, differed for the two of them. Mike, you know, you kind of sparked this. What do you think about the two, two respective guys, and, and how do you see Maryland fans treating, you know, one versus the other?
3: I am not saying Turgeon is a better coach than Willard. That is not true at all. Willard obviously has proven through his first season that he's a better coach. He's come up with the big wins that Turgeon hasn't. However, we've seen the same sort of trends i i don't know if you would say trends but kind of tendencies from this team we've seen from maryland too, faltering in games that they should win especially towards the end of the season i mean in the past five in their last five games of the regular season they lost three games on the road the teams that most people would have probably expected them to beat they had a combined 48 and 45 record i think if turgeon lost those three games to end the season Everybody would be slamming him. They'd be like, this guy can't coach. This guy can't do that. Willard, it's a little quiet. I I didn't really hear any criticism. There wasn't a lot of criticism. I didn't hear anything about Willard. And I think if Turgeon, it's just complete different fan treatment. I just find it interesting. I'm not saying he's a better coach. I I completely agree with you on that
0: point. If Mark Turgeon had done exactly what uh, Kevin Willard had just done in the past two weeks here, he'd be getting ripped. But I think if you look at how Maryland loses games under Kevin Willard, which they haven't actually lost that many of, um, <laughs> for only 12 games, that's not that many games to lose. Turgeon lost way more. He also coached for many more seasons, but that's a different point. If you look at how they're losing games, they're not losing games the same way Turgeon will lose games. Turgeon will lose games because they didn't haven't been able to drop an inbounds play. Or they wouldn't. They didn't have, They had no set defense. Or what they,
3: about when you had three guys surrounding a rebound against one of the worst offensive rebounding not teams? One of the worst the power worst. five
1: uh, offensive rebounding team. And
3: that's that, not.
0: That is not coaching. That's not. I would being say, able to physically pick up the ball. Yeah, I, think I, would, I would. I would probably I side with Brendan. I, I think coaching. That's just a luck. Coaching you know, is one. not having an inbound play. Coaching is not having a defensive scheme. Coaching is. Uh, when things are going bad not trying anything you would see mark two turgeon lose games where just wouldn't do anything what yeah.
1: about constantly starting that's slow what the i was road. gonna ask brendan you've made the point that, <laughs> that this team comes out with no heart i think part of that is coaching maybe you know getting, getting your team up, ready getting them ready to go out and perform on the road that seems that that might be an indictment mm-hmm. that you think is on willard's resume what's your response to that
0: i think a lot of that has to do with getting people fired up to play like you said it's a coaching and and that's a part of Kevin Willard I really can't defend, and I don't I don't know why. It seems like he almost is afraid to talk about it if you look at the, the interviews with it. And so that's something I think we'll have to see. The other thing you have to remember is, I think, um, getting hyped up and getting ready to play and getting want, getting ready to win a game comes from in the team. The coach can say so much, but if the yeah. people on the court don't want to win the game, they don't want to win the game. And the thing I'll say to that is Turgeon was here um, for many years. Turgeon recruited his own guys. I mean, by the end of his year, he's recruited every single person on that roster. He's gotten his transfers. Kevin Willard, barely I mean he hasn't recruited I mean for freshmen coming in he didn't recruit any of the roster really and so when you look at that they're still not really his players I think it would be a much better thing to talk about in you know three or four years once the team is Kevin Willard you look at the talent he's bringing in they obviously haven't stepped foot on Mm -hmm. Xfinity Center but they're 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 not his players yet and so the the talent he's bringing in is much higher and so I think if you look at the team in three years they'd be a very different conversation because I think Maryland will be a, a much better team. I would be surprised, like I said earlier, if Maryland um, is ever able to storm a court again because I think that they'll be too high of a seed to do that.
3: That's fair enough. I mean, I, I was more talking about the fan criticism. He kind of went into recruiting there, which I thought was...
1: Yeah, I think that it's a fair point by Brennan, though, to bring up that, you know, I think that Hakeem Hart, Hart and Hart and Dante Scott, you know, those are the two seniors, and obviously we're not in the locker room, so I want right. to make that clear. We don't know but from everything you can tell from media and, like, words around the program, they're not maybe the most vocal of guys, right? They're not, you know, the super emotional a- – Akeem shows a lot of emotion on the court, but whenever you get him in a post game, he's very, you know, short to the answer, kind of quiet, soft-natured guy. Now, obviously, we don't know if that's the case in the locker room, but if what their persona is to the media is the same behind closed doors – you know, you might it might be hard to get that kind of juice going in the in the locker room. So
3: you feel like it's more of like a player leadership thing. I think
1: that it, we don't know, right? Like right. it's hard to tell. I think that, you know, you bring in a DHS that type of thing, um who seems like he's a very dog mentality like I'm going to go get mine type of thing. I think that could help and that plays into Brendan's recruiting thing. I also think you guys didn't Brendan kind of brought this up, but it also is just different when you have a new coach, right? There's so much less Criticism out there Because everybody is like Well it's just their first well, season also you know? I, people, I
3: feel like Turgeon Was never accepted From the beginning though Yeah so re- I wasn't was I can't Gary say w- So
1: I don't know But if he wasn't accepted It
3: felt like from the beginning Turgeon also didn't win A tournament he, he game also, Until 2015 He also
1: followed Gary Williams Yeah
3: And the, I mean The program was It wasn't where it was When Gary Like from 2001 To 2010 The program Were in completely Different spots I wouldn't say that Turgeon was Taking on that heavyweight program
0: I think people want to love Kevin Willard it's his first season um you know after the Illinois game people starting you know Kevin Willard chance walking out of Xfinity Center I think people coming off of a um a Mark Turgeon era that made the tournament some sometimes but the performance in the tournament were not strong and people at the end of the day judge you on really two or three things Big 10 performance, regular season and and conference, and how you do in the NCAA tournament. People don't remember every single game. People remember those things. And so I think when you're talking about criticism, that's what it comes down
3: to. People will not be able to remember the 2020 season because it never ended for (laughs) a I'll say that, and that'll be my
1: last point. Yeah. Well said. I agree with you. I think it's a great debate. I think that, you know, you got to just give it some time, right? We can come back to this once we get into year three, year four of the Willer tenure. And we will. um, It's an interesting debate to be had. We'll come back to brackets, but let's go to women's basketball, right? Yeah, we talked about a team who kind of slumped going into the year. This is a team that's on the way up, and and that's Maryland women's. What Um, a success story. They got kind of hosed, to be honest with you, I think, in my opinion, with the bracket pool. You get number one overall seed, South Carolina. That means the committee considered Maryland to be the eighth best team in the country. They got punished for losing a three-point game to Iowa, who also got screwed and should have been a one seed, in my opinion. Um, So a couple of missteps there by the committee. Um, in my in my thoughts but there's still a two seed you still get to host two games they play holy cross um and the 215 spot on uh friday and then you get winner of arizona west virginia could have a double potentially double a double rivalry game right technically west virginia Absolutely. maryland um that game should
0: be sold out if it's
1: uh, yeah it's like- i think that i i definitely think that should be a, a cool game for people to go to it is spring break so that might be tough Absolutely, yeah, it's very true. but to i know. think that could be a very exciting game um and I think that this Maryland team, they I went to the Selection Sunday show, they all just seem ready. They got a lot of people who you know, maybe weren't around for a tournament game. Faith Masonis has never really contributed that much in a tournament. Abby Myers played in one game, or two games, sorry. Brene Alexander's never been in one. Cheyenne Sellers wasn't a huge contribution. That has to scare you as a fan, right? Yeah, but I think this team is more so hungry. I think that they they kind of they're almost the opposite of the men's team in that they always are ready to go whether they're playing on the road at home. You know, after they lost to Nebraska earlier this season, it seemed as if they just woke up guys. And I think that this team is built for tournament basketball. That's my opinion. The shooting is great. You have a star player in Diamond Miller. You have, you know, good backups who can come in and provide minutes, but not too many. So the coach is playing too many players, right? I like this team to go forward in the first two rounds, and we'll touch back on it you know, once we get there, but I don't see them losing in, in College Park.
0: Sam, you just mentioned the games in College Park um, that Maryland should win, um, but you did mention a little bit how they did get kind of hosed um, in terms of the bracket placement, eighth-best team whenever, possibly having to go through Notre Dame and South Carolina. But focusing on Notre Dame, uh, Maryland did play Notre Dame away early in the year did get the win um, but it was a very close game I believe it was
1: another step back game winner oh
0: yes there was mm-hmm. that was a very exciting game but it, it took all the way to the end yeah. having to go through possibly Notre Dame and then after winning that game two that, days that's later an emotional
1: that yeah that's a roller.
0: would coaster. have to go I mean Notre Dame doesn't want to lose again on a buzzer beater have to play the giant talk about it, Mike
3: yeah so talking about the giant South Carolina
1: they have Giants
3: Yeah, talking about the Giant at the end of the road for Maryland. If they get there, they would have to face South Carolina, and I do not know if anybody for the Terps can match what Aliyah Boston does in the post for the Gamecocks.
1: Yeah, they got Giants, and they are a Giant, Mike.
3: She (laughs) is the fifth most efficient post player in college basketball, according to 538, and that is not something the Terps want to look forward to because they are the eighth-ranked defense in the Big Ten. They struggled. Yeah. Defending and
1: especially against the post, especially against the post, and South Carolina dominated them down there in College Park because remember, guys, they played Notre Dame, they also played South Carolina earlier this year. Diamond Miller missed that game, Mike. How big of a difference do you think that could make in a potential rematch?
3: Well, if it becomes a game where Boston is kind of dominating the post, you need another one on one player to kind of take over, you're going to need Diamond Miller to take over. And the other end of that, you also got Zia Cook for South Carolina. Yeah, and she, Bria Beal. She's shooting 36% from three, 15.3 points per game. She's her leading scorer. They got a bunch of weapons there. It's going to be a full team effort for them. Diamond Miller, Abby Myers, you're going to need to all come together to defeat that giant.
1: Yeah, South Carolina, I mean, they're the favorite for a reason, guys. But even to get to the Elite Eight with this team that Brenda Fries has compiled together, you would take that every day of the week. I think it's the- a success. For this year, I would agree with you.
0: I think the the Brenda Fries coaching um, debate is is something completely different. Um, Had so many successful teams. Obviously, women's basketball is dominated by five or six powerhouses, and Maryland just seems to fall in that second tier every single year. Very good team. Very strong performance in the Big Ten. Tournament time, going to lose to one of the Giants.
1: Yeah, I think that women's basketball is less upsets than men just because of the discrepancy of talent. Um, and there's a discrepancy. And funding, if you want it. Funding, yeah. That's exactly what we were going to talk about because game one, super interesting reports came out this week, guys. Holy Cross, the team that Maryland's going to be facing in round one, they're going to be taking the Amtrak, which is I've absolutely... taken the Amtrak to College Park. <laughs> Not very fun. <laughs> and especially if you have suitcases and are in your team-issued gear, Huddled up for probably the biggest game of your life. Um, basically how the rule works is that under they just changed it. They changed the NCAA changed it from three hundred and fifty miles to four hundred for how they charter planes. Uh, Holy Cross is three hundred and ninety eight miles away, two miles under the discrepancy, and they can't get a their the school's refusing to get them a charter plane um, to fly to Maryland. So obviously that's kind of a weird situation. Holy Cross is a private university that makes a boatload of money off off student tuition and things a very like big that. Boat. Yeah, a very large boat. Brennan, you're a Boston native. Take us through the shoes of what a potential elite athlete could be going through riding on the Amtrak. You know, you're a cross-country cross track guy, but think about this as if you're playing the biggest game of your life and you're riding the train with a bunch of, you know, I random mean, characters. I've never taken the
0: train all the way from Boston to Maryland, but I've taken pieces of it. I've taken from New York to D.C. see I've taken from Boston to New York, but never all at once. And that's a long trip. I've you know, i I've survived taking the Amtrak for many hours, I'm sure many people have, but I didn't have to go play an NCA yeah. tournament game at a two seed. Would so, you
3: be able to rest on on the Amtrak, do you say?
0: It depends on their class. I mean, this is we need some real, real, really <laughs> we need strong. Some real journalism.
1: investigative journalism. And
0: they wouldn't pay for the charter flight, I think they're paying for uh, yeah. yeah, first class. Right.
3: Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what like fatigue issues they're gonna have coming into this. <laughs> I don't camp. know how big of a storyline it really <laughs> you is. You wanna
1: know another incredible story. This game is full of them. For a two fifteen matchup, Maryland plays on St. Patrick's Day, right, Friday. Guess who the leading scorer is for Holy Cross and where they're from. Is she from Ireland? She's an Ireland native, wow. This girl needs to drop a 40 bomb (laughs) and support her country on St. Patrick's Day. If Holy Cross manages to pull off the upset, I'll have one word written about Maryland in the recap and it will all be about the St. Patrick's Day upset from the leading scorer from Holy Cross. Incredible storylines, but you gotta expect Maryland to win. If they were taking a plane, if they were taking a bus, shoot, they could be taking a boat. And I still think Maryland would be able to take down Holy Cross um, and get to that, you know, potential potential elite eight matchup with South Carolina. And that leads into maybe the best part of this episode, guys. Bracket time. So we got Let's men's. We got women's. We're not going to reveal the whole bracket because none of you want to listen to that. So we're just going to bring out our final I four mean, Imagine picks. how boring that would be. Yeah. Mike, start us off. Men's final four pick, and then we'll reverse it back around with the women's. Start us with men's.
3: Are we going with descriptions? Why, or just listing the teams? Uh,
1: you can give a brief description.
3: UConn, Alabama, wow. Marquette, and Texas. So okay. I'll start with UConn. They got a good offense. They can really shoot the ball. And they have quality wins over Alabama, Providence, Creighton, and Marquette. I believe in them. They had that really strong start to the season, kind of fizzled out at the end. But, I mean, when you look at them as a team, Ken Palm, they're ranked the fourth best team in the country, they have a. I mean, their offense. I talk about their offense. They're sixth best adjusted offense efficiency. Defense, uh, it, it's so so. I mean, it's 18th, but I, I believe in them. Next up, we got Alabama. I think they arguably got the best player outside of Zach Eadie in college basketball with Brandon Miller. Um, it's it's hard to play against Alabama. It's hard to beat them. You kind of got to play their own game or hope that they miss shots to beat Alabama. Um, and I talked about the possessions, how they play fast tempo. Then Marquette. On the other side of the Big East with UConn, there's Marquette. In his second season with the Golden Eagles, Shaka Smart has led them to a 28-6 and record and the number one spot in the Big East. Um, this is another a team with a really fast paced offense and they're led by tyler kolik who won the big east player of the year he averages 7.7 assists they can Age really elite. distribute the ball there that's the second most in the nation and then texas despite the coaching drama that they've had over the past year they've been able to stay the co- course so far this season which i think would be just a great story to go to the final four of an interim yeah. coach that that is just like a narrative it's waiting to happen it's
1: disney disney type things Brenda da-
3: They've got a one real quick, real quick. They got a fourteen and eight record against Quad One teams, eight eighteen and eight against Quad One and two combined, and they got the second best defense efficiency according to Ken Palm.
1: That's pretty good, Mike. I like all those picks. The only thing I would have is I don't like UConn, you but don't? the the other three I can mess with. B. Yeah, a little bit less explanation for mine. My final four, <laughs> as always. I, I think that a
0: couple of things. When you make your bracket, you I don't know if I. I mean, I, I hope these things happen to be very cool. But I more think, like, how many of these can I get right at the end of the day? Because that's what it's all about. So my final four is Alabama, Duke, Houston, and Kansas. Um, Alabama, I think they're going to win. Um, Duke, I have them in there. Very strong play in the ACC tournament. I don't truly know how strong the ACC is until the tournament. It's hard to know. It's bad. <laughs> but I, Sam thinks it's bad. Um, so um, it's really hard to say. And then... Other side, uh, Houston, Kansas, like I said, um, strong one seeds, very strong resumes this year. I don't think
1: Kansas will win it because it, going back to back is extremely, extremely sure. difficult. Um, and so, that's that's pretty, really those are pretty good picks. I think that, you know, sometimes you look to, like you said, going and overlook the one seeds. They're the best teams in the country for a reason, right? It's, absolutely. You have to take some of them. And I did exactly that. I went with Alabama in the final four, unanimous among all of us. And then I took Kansas State um, to make it in that side okay. of the region. I really like them. I think that the East bracket is pretty bad, to be honest. Like, I don't love Marquette, and I don't love Purdue. So I, out of all those teams, um, I would say Kansas State um, is my favorite to make it out. And I have Duke in the Elite Eight, so we, we, I think we're kind of balanced on that. Okay. Um, and then on the other side, I have Houston. Um, that's actually my pick to win it all. Which uh, we didn't end up giving, but if you guys want to go around and say your natty picks, I, said Alabama, I, yeah. I had Houston, Brendan had Alabama.
3: Uh, I had Alabama. I'll say this about Houston. The injury to Marcus Sasser worries me, because that's a yeah. groin injury. Those injuries, I don't know if you remember, going to the NBA just real, real quick, that's the injury LeBron had his first season with the Lakers. That basically had him out for the rest of the season. He came back for a tad bit, but then they shut him down again. Those injuries linger, and it is hard to come back from that, and he suffered to end the conference tournament. So we'll see how he recovers.
1: Professional LeBron. Who's LeBron James again? (laughs) Um, But yeah. What college did he go to? So just completely disregarding Mike's Mike's input there. I'm going to go with Houston. Um, I agree, Sasser's injury scares me, but... He wasn't there last year, and they still made the Elite Eight, and and you know we're a pretty dominant team. I like Kelvin Sampson, and then I have UCLA. They would be my pick um, if Jalen Clark hadn't tore to ACL. I think that is. I good. also would have picked UCLA. That would be. have been an elite. They I, would have won the tournament. Yeah, I, yeah. I think. I that, think
0: I think people who were at the Maryland game. People UCLA who are game, fan. Yeah. know exactly <laughs> I mean, what happened. They couldn't be more biased. They're like
1: this team is the best. How is Purdue a one seed, and how is UCLA not <laughs> a shoe in for the Natty? But um, yeah. So I have Houston, UCLA, Alabama, Kansas State. Houston winning it all. Um, So I think that none of us have a really, you know, terrible, terrible bracket. Um, but I don't know until the game until happen. it happens. That's any, why we love doing it. Any, any crazy upset pick? I was about to say, does anybody have an upset? Um, uh, I have a bunch, but Brendan, you can start.
0: Um, uh, I think my biggest upset is UCSB over Baylor. Uh, oh, I Some like people that. might not like that. No, just, I don't. Just looking at the ESPN stats they provided, which is, is why I picked it. Um, also a
1: very great feature they added. I yes. love how they do that. It's not overwhelming, but it's very to the point.
0: UCSB's top
1: six scores shoot over 46% from the field. How do you win a game in March? Good shoot. Yeah. I like that pick. Um, I'm going to go my upset. We'll do one upset and I'm going to go Kent state over Indiana. I don't think Indiana is that great. But Kent state is on a heater. They won the Mac Mac teams always seem to do okay in the tournament. I also am, have a, you know, per- personal connection to the Mac. It's close to my hometown mm-hmm. of Michigan. Um, so I like them. I don't think Indiana's very good. I like that pick a lot, Sam.
3: Uh, I was going to pick Kent state too. I'm, um, you know,
1: Check it out. Check it out.
3: We're, we're, we're covering. Me and Big uh, Mike covering a couple uh, matchups here. So I was going to take Kent State, but since you took Kent State, I guess I will take. <laughs> I guess I'll go Charleston. I mean, okay, they have five guys. I who, also have them winning. Yeah. Who, who score in double figures a game. Um, and it's not an easy team to slow down. They're also a pretty fast tempo team. Um, so we'll see what happens in that game against San Diego State, who is also a very good team. They've only lost three times since December 10th.
1: Wow. Last thing before we go to women's, all of us have Maryland losing in the round of 32, or do any of us have them losing to West Virginia? In turn, 32. 32. I have them to Alabama. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I could not I could not bring myself to take them to lose against West as Virginia. As someone who wants to keep watching the games and, and covering yeah. them as a, as a journalist, I, you know. I want to see them win. Of course. Exactly.
0: Very natural. Good reasoning, Sam.
1: Yeah. Now onto the women's. Um, this is kind of a very interesting field this year because I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong... My national champion is not an upset pick. Um, should we say our national champion yeah, on three? three, three one, two, two, one, Three South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, that's not surprising. But my final four, South Carolina, Iowa, who I thought should have been a one seed. LSU and Baylor on the other side. I really like – I really wished LSU and um, Maryland could have been in the same pool. That would have made for some great journalism pieces. Oh, my God, it would have. Um, but, yeah, and you know what's crazy about that final four is that Maryland would have played Uh, three of those teams iowa south carolina and baylor and then they obviously have angel reese on the lsu team so that's my final four um and then i have south carolina beating lsu and sec rematch of the natty um
0: my final four is south carolina stanford lsu and uconn and then i have south carolina beating uconn in the national championship um uconn two seed this year but historically been extremely solid extremely good coaching so
1: many talented players gino and Don staley the two coaches of that have a little <laughs> bit of beef too so i'd love to see that natty i like those picks brendan even if it's a little you know pop, traditional but um those are all solid teams mm.
3: mike and then the rounded out i got south carolina uconn indiana and iowa uh south south carolina indiana final with south carolina taking it of course uh iowa, i mean we, we you've you've seen caitlin clark
1: now <laughs> how good is she, is she uh, good? she's a certified yeah, bucket okay. and she's her if that, if that is proper terms. Um, and then lastly, before we move on, how far do we all have Maryland going? Um, I have them to the elite eight, uh, elite eight. eventually losing to South Carolina. Yeah. So, and then, uh, any upset picks here? Yeah. Um, I actually, this is kind of a, I got one. Yeah, I have, I have one. It's a little different with, um, women's just because, you know, you kind of have, uh, more discrepancies. As I said, I, I would consider Baylor to the final four to be an upset pick, um, do we consider that to be something if not i'll do my drake over louisville pick um so that's my 512 upset and then baylor to the final four i consider to be a relative upset yeah wow that's a kind of i didn't really realize there were seven seed at this okay okay (laughs) all right
0: regrouping here um i have my upset pick is uh fgcu florida gulf coast university over washington state why you may ask well uh city That's not really why But what I was gonna say Is that (laughs) Washington State Lost to Stanford by 33 Florida Gulf Coast University Lost to Stanford by 24 In theory They should win by 9 Okay I don't know if that'll happen But that's my (laughs) opinion
1: Mike What do you got In terms of upsets Um Mike, it just seems like you got the straight bracket, so pretty chalk, yeah. <laughs> I think Mike went Mike went to the autofill bracket and then went to seeds. <laughs> uh, but overall Honestly, that'll probably work. <laughs> I'm very excited for the women's women's tournament. I think Maryland Likewise. getting to cover in Maryland um, will be really fun. If they make it to the final four, I think I might be going to San Antonio. So Ooh. that would be that wow. would be very cool. Um, don't know if that'll be happening, but we'll see. Um but yeah, that's cool. Speaking of women's We brought on Abby Myers, we've talked about it, you heard her. We also did our little top five, and we're going to, you know, recap it from our perspectives. The uh, rules we had was you had to have one women's moment, one men's moment, and then one Maryland-related moment. So, Brendan, take us through your top three, um, and give us why you went with what you did.
0: I'll start with my Maryland moment first. I guess we we can go around here. Um, I had Miller Trimble scoring 24 points. Over Hawaii to send Maryland to the Sweet 16. One of those deep runs. Um, really, really <laughs> deep, shouldn't really, so really shouldn't call that deep. <laughs> um, <laughs> second weekend, the wow. Deepest run actually <laughs> with, yeah. with Mark Turgeon. Um, just an exciting game that was kind of in my mind when I was watching college basketball back and they kind of put Maryland on
1: the map for for people of our generation who yeah. would, um, you know
0: didn't get to see Gary Williams what
1: time was do you remember any any reason what time that game was and, and if Hawaii fans <laughs> you think were tuning in or do you think oh, the man. rest of the nation was no only idea. paying attention I remember
3: uh, Hawaii upset Jalen Brown in California the game before so yeah so, everybody, so everybody I mean it was, it was a close yeah. game everybody was on yeah. the Hawaii train
1: mm-hmm. um that's a good pick Brendan Mello Milo was the reason I started, you know, paying attention to Maryland basketball. He was, you know, an elite player and and really fun to watch. Um, It was kind of hard to go through Maryland tournament moments. Um, I'm not trying to hate, but there's been a, a, you know, kind of a since we've been born, because that was a stipulation we did since 2004. Um, So I went with the women's team making back-to-back Final Fours. I think that's super impressive. Brenna Fries continues to do that. They couldn't get over the hump each time. Brennan kind of talked about that earlier with, you know, maybe that second tier of programs, but making it back-to-back years to the final four teams—that's pretty special to cut down nets in 2014 and 2015. So I ultimately went with that as my Maryland moment. For mine, three
3: seasons in Detergent's year here, career here, he had only made one postseason tournament, and it was the NIT. Finally, Fake. finally, he he made it into the big dance in 2014, 2015, led by Mello Trimble, and the way they got their first win in detergent era was pretty fun. Uh, so they're leading by three with 13 seconds left, uh, left and uh, against Valparaiso. And they Turgeon sends in Varun Ram, a formal walk-on, to play defense on this last possession by <laughs> Valpo, right? So, you know, Ram's playing defense. Ball goes to his guy. Guy takes the three to tie the game, and he swipes it up into, into the – it, um crowd into area. the crowd kind of it, it, it was weird how the ball kind of like yeah. seemed to be in the air forever it was like a
1: movie it was,
3: like, <laughs> it was kind of like a movie especially in Turgeon's career right. I mean, this, this, <laughs> this so, is the this is the climax <laughs> this was the climax and uh the game ends uh, buzzer sounds and they win the game um with with the wa- with the um walk on so yeah, that's that
1: pretty special that's, for him that's a pretty cool moment and, and i and you got to love that Turgeon had the trust to bring in someone of mm-hmm. that you know caliber brendan we're going now to our women's moment. Um, I got a fun and, one. <laughs> and this is a classic Brennan Weissell moment for any of you who've listened to the podcast. The guy pulls the most random games and somehow turns them into the coolest stories. Brennan, what happened in your women's moment? So, I, I, I mean, I remember just watching, you know, it's
0: I don't remember what day of the week it was, you know, it's first round games. It's yeah. uh, you, know, you just turn them on, see what's happening. It's, it's a one versus 16 in, in the women's tournament, and, you know, the one seed's going to win. But this wasn't your, your everyday win. Um, Baylor hundred and nineteen points. Texas Southern thirty <laughs> points. You I didn't I didn't misread that. Eighty nine point victory. I remember watching that game. I was like, is is a joke they're gonna score thirty <laughs> is points this the a whole bet? game. Um <laughs> Baylor had twelve players score. That's absurd. Just take a quick guess how many people on Texas Southern team scored. How many Four, players do you think? F-
3: just their starting lineup,
0: five. Four. Three. Oh, and uh one player had 19, nineteen, one three, one eight. Wow. Shout out to the one with Shout the out to the one <laughs> she showed out. she could <laughs> she, ball. No, she did not. She went four for nineteen. Oh, <laughs> oh she, never mind, she was right. chucking. She I was,
1: rescinded. I rescinded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. I mean hey, if no one else is taking them, you gotta take it. You well, know just, what I mean? What do, you, what do you think they went shooting percentage? What do, how many shots? Did they Dude, went, I don't know, seven percent. Eight for fifty-eight. <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Mulkey, the, the Baylor coach at the time, she was all gas, no break in that game, saying, you know, screw that, them kids. what had
0: happened in, in, rec- in or local Reckling game. No, nah, they're
1: cutting that off. That's that's a pretty funny moment. Um, my women's pick, not uh, anything like that. Um, I decided to go with um, a national title game, and it was the first national title game between two unbeatens. Um, you had Notre Dame, UConn, um, two titanic programs going up against each other both 37 and 0 at the time um it ended up not being a great game UConn won by double digits but the game was sold out it got it's I think it's still the highest viewership of any women's basketball game so it just really brought attention to the to the sport and I think that you know that's two titans clashing against each other everybody loves March Madness for the upsets and the crazy picks right but when you have something like that happen that's pretty special so that that was my pick
3: For my women's pick, it's going to be another Maryland moment, too. Last time, they were up by three. This time, they're trailing by three. Last time, it was round of 64. This time, it's the championship game. It's Christy Tolliver's game-tying shot at the end of regulation, sending the Terps into OT. And then people forget, she also hit two free throws in OT to put them ahead, too, and they never lost that lead. It was, like, within 30 seconds left. So I'm going to take Christy Tolliver's shot to send it to OT, for Maryland women to win their first and only title.
1: That's crazy. That's I mean, that's the, probably the biggest Maryland tournament moment ever, like mm-hmm. out, of, out of any of them. So that's a good pick, Mike.
0: And now on to my men's moment. I actually meant to apologize. I know we have a big listener base at Texas Southern, so um, just <laughs> a little apology. For this. So <laughs> I know that 89-point loss still, uh, still hurts you guys a little bit. So uh, my men's moment is the... Uh, Duke Wisconsin twenty fifteen national championship. Grayson Allen played with so much heart in that game. Just so much
1: heart, you know, guy who will just always lay it on the line. Never He will.
0: I mean, you should see him saving balls in that game, a Strength. It's just it's just a spectacle. Um for Maryland fans who may not remember that game, um, you will remember that Rashid Suleiman ended up joining the Maryland team um the year after he got kind of kicked off the Duke team, and if he had stayed on that team I don't think Duke would have won that national championship because Grayson Allen, went who had such an incredible impact uh, in that game, most likely would have seen very few minutes that season. But Suleiman went out, Grayson Allen took over, and Duke wins the national championship. A little bit of a, a unique story yeah, there.
1: That's crazy. What's also crazy about that is Wisconsin in the final four it beat Kentucky, who, who an undefeated. Lost, yes. mm-hmm. So they were kind of setting up this whole like Duke Kentucky, you know, undefeated versus the powerhouse, and then Wisconsin, you know, made some noise and almost won it, but Duke. Obviously, Grayson Allen. To be Allen. fair, Duke did destroy Michigan State in the other. They field. did. Yeah. They, they smoked him. Um, and I, I actually really like Tyus Jones. Grayson Allen, I hate I hate his guts, but I really like Tyus That's Jones. That's not going to be fun popular fact. on the graphic for you. Oh, no. Fun that fact, is. that game was on the second night of Passover, the Michigan State uh, Duke game in the Final Four. Fun, fun fact. Fun fact. Go Jews. Um, <laughs> and for my men's pick, my mom, my dad, my Michigan friends, they were all pissed at me because I took Michigan State as a top five logo last week. So I'm making my amends. Um, this has kind of a personal cool moment for me. Um, I was watching the Maryland or the Michigan Houston game in 2018. Michigan had kind of a great run. Um, but this guy named Rob gray was going off for Houston. He had a man bun. He just was dominating and they go up by go to the line up two with like three seconds left. Houston does. And everybody's like, this is game. Rob gray tells the skinny little freshman Jordan pool, you know, the baddie specialist on, on Instagram and TikTok, that hey, where are you from, Poole? Poole goes, oh, I'm from Milwaukee. And Rob Gray goes, yeah, you're about to be going back to Milwaukee. (laughs) Turns out, 10 seconds later, Devin Davis misses two free throws for Houston. My dad goes, one time, please. Deep pass down the court to the right wing. Jordan Poole launches a crazy three. His legs flare out. The ball just seems to float through the net, drops in. They all chase him. He runs away from them around the court, right in front of the Houston bench, waves goodbye to Rob Gray. They all tackle him. It's probably one of the coolest you know, moments I shared with my dad, my family. My little brother came running out because of the screaming. He started crying. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And it just turned out Michigan made it to the Sweet 16. They eventually would make it to the National Championship, um, get destroyed by Villanova, but I love that moment. I like Jordan Poole, so that's my men's moment.
3: That was a really solid team for Michigan, too. Yeah, it
1: was. It really was. It was a good squad.
3: It's the moment every kid kind of dreams of. I remember being on the blacktop as a kid, chucking half-court shots. It went going 5, 4, 3, yeah, I, had, yeah, I know you, you repeated like 50 times. Until you finally make, make, yeah, make until one. Until you finally make one, right? <laughs> yeah. Well Give me fi-
1: five more minutes, mom.
3: <laughs> in the final four for Jalen Suggs, he had that opportunity in 2021. After UCLA, they tied up the game with 3.3 seconds left. Suggs took the inbound pass, ran straight down the court, just inside the half-court line trucks up the three swish i don't don't even think it hit anything but the net right it was was nothing but the net gonzaga advances to the championship they did lose but crazy shot crazy moment for slugs and that's what he's going to be remembered for when his career is
1: over yeah it's only a shame that's such an elite shot it's Mm -hmm. a shame that there weren't fans in there because it was the COVID year but that's, like, what March is all about, right? Like, UCLA was this pesky underdog. Gonzaga's this titan. It comes down to the last wire, and this young freshman makes this crazy shot. I did
0: forget that, that that's crazy.
1: They're fans. Wow. I know. Um, so <laughs> I
3: was watching the highlight. I was like,
1: this is, like, this so, so much
3: quiet. more quiet it, it, right now <laughs> <laughs> for what I think it should be. Yeah.
1: Um, that was an elite game. It, it's one of the greatest game
0: of all time, just nobody, just yeah, no. Um,
1: But, yeah, that was that was pretty pretty awesome. Um, and yet again, we saw a talented player who ended up making in the – In the league, Jalen Suggs, and and that's what he'll be remembered for. But we got another person who's going to be remembered for one specific game. So we're going to bring in our Terrific Turk segment. This one is going to be a little different. I'm taking this one, um, and it's going to be about a specific person slash game. So take us away, Sam. Let me take you back to a cold night in February. Traveling, you're on the plane all the way to the gorgeous campus of Chapel Hill. Snow's falling down. You know, it's brisk, but you're super excited. You're getting to go watch North Carolina surrounded by Carolina blue fans. You're walking through the gates to the new $84 million arena that still had that new crisp paint smell on it from its opening just two months ago. That would be the notorious Dean Dome. We all know of it. It's an arena that holds a raucous 21,000 North Carolina fans. That night, it was particularly loud because the Tar Heels still had not lost in their new stomping grounds. This is back when North Carolina had just opened up their new arena. It hadn't it was students coined the nickname Dean Smith because of how elite this coach was. You know, all these fans are super excited. North Carolina's 25 and 1. It's just this electric atmosphere. And then here comes the rain of booze as the red-dressed Maryland Terrapins walk out in their uniforms, a team that wasn't even deserving of a primetime spot. The Terps had lost 6 of their last 7 road games. Kind of similar to this year's team, as Maryland fans know. While North Carolina was again considered a shoe in to at the Final Four, leading the ACC, leading the country, they're an elite squad that had just lost MJ, I think, two years prior, but had Brad Daugherty and Kenny the Jet Smith, as we all know, legend on the TNT NBA crew, but he was a pretty elite college player too, manning a solid squad who was looking to get back to the Final Four. Dean Smith team, that would have six future NBA players on it, And obviously, nobody thought Maryland had a chance. This is a team that, you know, was 500, don't really have any, you know, great players. But they had the best player on the floor that night, it would prove. Not only was he the best player on the floor, but he's considered to be the best player in Maryland basketball history, according to former Turp basketball player Tony Massenberg. That would be Len Bias who entered the arena with not a smile on his face. All of his teammates are gazing up at the rafters, seeing all these blue fans swarming the arena. How cool it is. We get to be playing in the Dean Dome. You look at Len Bias, complete blank face, locked in, making jumper after jumper after jumper and warmups. No flashy dunks, no nothing. He just is in the zone. It was so, you know, so just locked in when you watch the film. Instead, When the All-American then got into the game, it continued. He got to his pull-up at any point. Len Bias was known for his mid-range. He could get to his spot at any time. North Carolina tried to send tons of different bodies at him. They tried guarding him with Kenny Smith, who was considered to be this pesky, quick defender. They tried guarding him with Daughtery, who was the taller, 6'11 wing. They tried guarding him with backups, who just were focused on fouling him and guarding him. It didn't matter. Bias went to work, scoring 35 points en route to Maryland's upset 4-point win over the Tar Heels. He just went absolutely nuclear. Teammate Keith Gateland said, Lenny was so great that night. They'd just taken the three-point shot back away from the game. So if not, he would have had 50. The guy just went on a tear. He was in this aura. Bias not only tore it up on offense, but his defensive performance was elite as well. In the game's final moments, Kenny Smith had a wide-open layup, it seemed. Going to cut the game down to two. It seemed as if North Carolina was going to get back in the game and win it, avoid the crazy upset that everybody in the team don't had bated breath. Len Bias comes out of nowhere, swats it back to friggin' Duke, for all that I, anybody can know. The guy just was an elite player that night. He was an elite player for Maryland that season. And everybody you know came out of that game as if the head coach lefty Driscoll set after. If Lenny Bias isn't the best player in the world, then I don't know who is. And everybody knows Bias for, obviously, the tragic story that happened. You know, he died of an overdose. You know, this elite player, this great guy who's super charismatic, you know, tragedy struck at a young age. There's a 30 for 30 on it. You should go watch it. But I think that it's important to remember just how good of a player this guy was. To score 35 points on the road against a top-five team – in a place where they hadn't lost and to do that it kind of solidify Maryland as you know we're on the come up we're coming for you know the ACC and give themselves a real rival in North Carolina that would happen I think that that game really started to be the turning point point. and when you look back on all the teammates players and coaches they all just speak about how much of an aura it almost was like a glow they said that Len bias had so I think that when you look at that game it turned Maryland basketball around, and it's what I think people should focus on when they talk about Len Bias—not the cocaine, not you know the death that he might have had, that you know you suffered tragically, but how good of a player and how special he was as a young man. Um, so that's my terrific turp. That's a – Hell of a job you just did right there, Sam. Wow. Way to paint the the image in in the listeners' minds. And
0: kudos to you. I I think Len Bias truly uh, took people uh, in the minds of kids who lived in Maryland. Right. Made them want to come to the University of Maryland. And that's why so many of the greats have now come through.
3: Len Bias is going to have a great pro pro career, too. I mean, people forget he was drafted to that Celtics team. They finished first in the East that year. Yeah. Um, Larry Bird, Kevin McHill, Robert Parrish. Yeah. he was just a great all-around player yeah
1: so as we get into march madness guys we'll see what player maybe leaves their legacy maybe it's an abby myers maybe it's a jameer young that's why we love march and that's why we all hope you listen to this episode and we appreciate you um, for taking the time make sure you go vote for the polls on instagram twitter we're going to be posting a bunch of content um, and keep along with all of us um, at our respective sites yeah we got abby's picks in there as well and uh
0: it's a hell of an episode it's going to be it incredible month of March and into April for the national
2: championship. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll see you after the break. Thank you.